Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode two, season two of Soup Dreams. My name is Kyle, and I will be your host for this episode, as I'm your host for every episode, because I am the only man with the courage to really dive deep into soups, stews, um, our starch theory, the theological implications of different soups, political implications of different soups, kind of the hard-hitting topics that you run into every week on Soup Dreams. You know, in fact, I would encourage you, if you have children, uh, you want to teach them about the world, you want to expose them to new ideas, uh, to have them gather around the stereo or um, the earbuds. If you know you have that kind of disposable income, maybe you could take an earbud and you could uh, put the other earbud in your child's ear, and together you guys can talk about. Or excuse me, together you guys can listen to to me talk about soup, and hopefully that'll create some eye-opening and honest conversations between you and your children. I think in a world as disconnected as the one we live in, uh, we all feel so alienated, we feel so isolated, we can't really know one another, we can't know our own family members. In fact, it's kind of hard really to even know ourselves. And so I like to think Soup Dreams is an antidote to that, to that alienation. It's a way for us to kind of bond over a common affinity, something that brings joy and light and a little bit of introspection into the world. Do that. Uh, if your child is too young to have a conversation, I would encourage you to maybe just play all the Soup Dreams episodes that you have just on repeat, constantly, in their nursery, uh, through their monitor. And maybe like as a reward when they, do, when they do something good, you let them listen to an episode of a soup that you really like. Um, so they come to associate good behavior with something like uh, silky ginger zucchini soup. And that's kind of like, that becomes a lifelong association with them. Like anytime they hear something that sounds like the audio collage of a zucchini being chopped or the blender pureeing the soup, uh, they'll get a feeling of warmth, uh, a feeling of comfort and reward. It'll be like a hug from a parent, from you or your spouse or your partner or your polycule. And then on the other side, if your child misbehaves, Maybe you could um, play them episode about a soup you dislike. So maybe you you don't want, you know, your child, um, they make a big boo-boo in their diapy or they draw on the wall or I don't know what else kids do. I don't have one. Uh, I have a dog. I assume the problems are more or less the same, having to do with either eating or excreting things that they shouldn't in places that they shouldn't. Yeah, but if your kid is doing something like that, maybe play them the vegan chili episode. And then that way, anytime they hear the sound of a can of beans being opened, they associate that with danger and with disappointment and with parental rage, um, which I think is good because, you know, we traditionally we kind of associate uh, cans of beans with uh, hobos and, and, and drifters and, and other vagrants that you probably don't want your, your toddler or young child hanging around. So kind of like all parental discipline, even playing the Soup Dreams vegan chili episode to your kid to create a lifelong fear of the sound of a can of beans being opened. There is a, a sense of ju- both justice and mercy in it because it not only uh, is you know, a non-corporal f- form of punishment, but also uh, will protect them from, from drifters and other unsavory characters, down and outs, etc., you know, I'm thinking I might have more listeners than usual this episode because like Soup Dreams, which serves as a kind of lymph 
flowing through culture, bringing these different thoughts and ideas to us. There's another little guy that I think we're all familiar with who has taken on a role as a kind of cultural lymph. He binds us together. He makes us laugh. He fills us with intense emotions, joy, and kind of maternal or paternal kind of protectiveness. He makes us laugh. Um, and most importantly, he loves soup. And I'm talking, of course, about the baby Yoda from the Disney Plus original series, The Mandalorian. And in the most recent episode, I would say no spoilers, but this is you know, perhaps the biggest spoiler of the series, the baby Yoda, he drinks a bowl of soup. Or more of a, a cup of soup. He's very small. Um, he drinks a cup of soup. And so I imagine like a lot of people probably saw this adorable, precocious little creature, this little goblin, and thought, what is, what is, what is he drinking? What's, what is he consuming? Is that some kind of space food? Did George Lucas invent a space food for this baby to eat? And the fact of the matter is he did not invent it. According to Wikipedia, soup is one of the most ancient dishes in human history. So if you were confused about what the baby Yoda was drinking or eating, um, and that's, you know, that's a conversation for another day, whether you eat or drink soup. If you're confused about that, if you've been Googling, like, what is baby Yoda eating or drinking? I don't know. Tell me. In the episode, it's, it's bone broth. Um which is kind of like a precursor ingredient to soup. But I think, you know, once you get past that, you'll probably be like, oh, well, well, you, you know, you find out, oh, it's bone broth. And that raises other questions like, well, what do you do with bone broth? How is bone broth prepared? And that will eventually lead you to soup. And I'm assuming, you know, you go to kind of the number one source for soup information. The only place you can get soup news once or twice a month, soup dreams, me. Uh, so if you're here because of the baby Yoda, I think that's great. I think we have a lot in common in the sense that you and I Dear listener, both enjoy the baby Yoda and uh, have a thirst for more knowledge about soup. And I hope that I can guide you uh, in the same way that Qui-Gon Jinn guided young Obi-Wan in the battle with the Trade Federation and their duplicitous uh, business dealings on the planet of Naboo. And, you know, ultimately, uh, I hope that I am killed by a rival soup podcaster and you take my place. I think that'd be one of the more honorable ways to go. Anyway, uh, today we cooked a very appropriate soup. It's been raining in Los Angeles. I was actually in Denver for a week with my parents where it was extremely cold. And so I thought like a nice, warm, hearty, meaty soup would be perfect for that weather. And so uh, this week I made a sausage potato and spinach soup. It's from a website called damndelicious.net. As you know, I'm not a fan of swearing. I think it is the sign of a low mental state, a low energy, a low vibration. But the recipe was good. The woman that wrote it, her name is Chunga, and she looks very nice. She's got a big smile as she's cooking her soup. Uh, I picked this soup because I had a hankering for some sausage. As you know, it's one of the, the foods that I eat a lot. Sausage, cabbage, beets, potatoes. You've been over this. I, I, eat, I eat like a peasant from the 17th century. Uh, this is a great little recipe. If you make it normally, it'll only take you about 30 minutes. If you make it the way I did, it'll take a little, a little while longer. But the ingredients are pretty simple. It is a tablespoon of olive oil, a pound of spicy Italian sausage with the casing removed, three cloves of garlic minced, one onion diced, a half teaspoon of dried oregano, a half teaspoon of dried basil, a half teaspoon of crushed red pepper flakes, kosher salt and black pepper to taste, five cups of chicken broth, one bay leaf, a pound of red potatoes diced, three cups of baby spinach, 
and a quarter cup of heavy cream. And the way you prepare it is you heat the oil in a stock pot or Dutch oven. I use the famed red Dutch oven for this recipe as you know, distinct from the yellow Dutch oven, which I use for smaller batches because I cook this to kind of eat over a couple of days. Uh, you put the oil in, heat it, uh, cook up the sausage, then you add your garlic, onion, oregano, basil, and red pepper until those onions become translucent. Then you add in the broth, toss a bay leaf in there, bring it to a boil, add your potato, your diced potato in there, and cook for about 10 minutes until it's tender. Then you add the spinach until it wilts, which will be pretty immediate, like less than two minutes. And then kind of the coup de gras is that you stir in some heavy cream until that's heated through, which, you know, again, will take like a minute. And then serve and eat. As I was cooking this, uh, I was kind of laughing at the 30 minute suggestion because dicing a pound of potatoes is, I, my knife skills are not bad, but they're definitely not great. And there's no way that I can dice a pound of potatoes in less than, you know, 15 minutes. And then when you assemble all your other ingredients and stuff like that, that's, she's saying 30 minutes, including prep and cook time. Just absolutely. She says 10 minutes for prep time. I don't know how you could possibly dice a potato. I mean, like that, the, the irony of cooking is that the way you get faster and better at making these dishes is by having a lot of patience and having a lot of diligence. And so because I was trying to do it quickly, I did a shitty job dicing my potatoes. Excuse me. I did a bad job dicing my potatoes and also took a long time. And I'm sure that if I had just kind of thought it out and done it the right way, it would have taken less time and been more effective. But I didn't. I don't know how. If any of you listeners know the best way to dice around food, please let me know because I am not good at it. And it's okay. I feel comfortable being vulnerable with you guys talking about my difficulties uh, dicing round ingredients because I know that we've built up a level of trust. Uh, and for you new people that came on inspired by the baby Yoda, you know, we will, we will get to that place. I hope you're not too uncomfortable with me opening up like this. And so my recipe also took a little bit longer because I wanted to add a little bit more, just, I wanted to add a little bit more substance to this dish because it is limited ingredient wise. So uh, in addition to the sausage, I chopped up three strips of bacon for a little bit of different flavor, a little more saltiness and a little of that extra, extra crunch. And so I actually cooked up that bacon first so it was crispy and then added the sausage. I'm sorry if there's like a weird scrambling noise, kind of reminiscent of the baby odor. That's uh, my dog, Lucy, chasing a ball under the couch. And then an, uh, my wife had taken some chicken out of the freezer in the morning and kind of let it sit all day. And she was worried that it would be bad if we didn't cook it immediately. And so I diced up uh, a chicken breast and threw that in there as well. So we'll see how that actually turns out. And the other stuff, you know, I did it as she instructed and I didn't, I pre-cooked this batch. I didn't add the cream because that's not going to be good reheated. It's going to separate and the fat's going to kind of bind with uh, some of the, the milk proteins and things like that. And so I got my stuff heated right now. Uh, it is ready to go. I just got to add my cream. And then when we come back on the other side of the audio collage, uh, I will dig in and tell you about the flavor.
Not yet. Uh oh, that's heavy whipping cream. What do you do with that? All right, another wonderful audio collage. You know, this week as I was making the audio collage, I'm reminded of how deeply I hate it. Uh, it's a real pain to record and turn the recorder on and off as I'm cooking. It's another reason it takes a long time to make these recipes. And the editing process is also deeply annoying. But I also know it's a fan favorite. It's probably everyone's most beloved part of the podcast. And I, hear, I get all the time. I get emails every, every single day that's just like, Kyle, can you make the audio collage longer and louder. Please, Kyle, I can't tell the difference between chopping garlic and chopping onion. Can you hold the microphone closer? Kyle, please, can you just open an exclusive Patreon where you post the uncut audio collage? And you know, I, I'm thinking about it. I don't want to make Soup Dreams an engine for profit. Uh, I do want this to be about love of the game, but if enough people you know, are demanding, hey, Kyle, I'll give you 25 bucks a week for a completely unedited sound collage with all, you know, warts and all. I mean, that's me, you know, dropping trowel, showing you what I got. I'll do it for 25 bucks a week. Um, just kind of say the word. But, you know, enough about that. Uh, I have my bowl in front of me here. And as always, we're going to review it um, according to the five senses. I will start with sight. As with all soups, uh, we run into... I'll hold it up to the microphone so you can kind of... I don't know if that conveys any of the sight to you, um, but you can kind of hear the, the the thickness of it. It's very thick. It's almost chowder-like, and there's no thickener in it, obviously, except for potato and the cream. I guess but that wouldn't add, you know, the kind of thickness I'm seeing here. Like I'm seeing legitimate, uh, like chowder-like viscosity. It has. It kind of runs counter to our usual fecal look that you get from soup, and this one actually looks more like vomit, but not in an unappealing way. Uh, there's nice brown, like browned nicely nicely browned kind of maillard reaction <clears throat> uh, bits of sausage uh, i see some chicken the green from the spinach oh i forgot to mention that i also added mushrooms i added uh, a, a little carton of chopped up baby bella mushrooms i apologize for one of the people that likes to cook along to the show but i imagine your your potatoes are probably still boiling 
if you're cooking along with me and you haven't even added your, your veggies. So you can add um, those mushrooms when you add your spinach because it's not gonna take very long to cook at all. Uh, the color of the broth, or the, the chowder-like broth is beige, but there you can see the flecks of oregano. Um, you can see the red peppers. And then the potatoes, of course, are a really charming. That red skin from the red potatoes and the little white, palish white flesh of the potato. It's, it's, really, it's really quite lovely. Smell-wise, I'll hold it up to you, you can smell along with me. I don't know which is better when you're cooking to do, um, it's better to like dig your nose in and sniff it like a, uh, like one of those old guys you see trying to impress a date at a, at a wine restaurant. I guess any restaurant, I, there's no such thing as a wine restaurant. At a restaurant with a, you know, they, they take the big goblet of wine, they stick their schnoz in it and they... <sighs> I don't know if that technique is like what you need to use for smelling food or if it's better to kind of waft. The wafting's getting me nowhere, so I think you do have to kind of schnoz it. it. Smells like potato, hints of sausage. It smells like kind of a potato soup. Um, so sight, we got scent. I gave you kind of a preview of the sound. Hear that, some nice plops. Um, and I'm gonna go ahead and taste it and then we can give it a little review on the mouthfeel. I apologize, my neighbors just turned on some like incredibly loud music. So hopefully I don't get a DMCA when I put this episode up because it's on the background. So I apologize for the music in the background. You know, it's kind of the reality of the California housing crisis. You gotta, you know, stay put when you got your rent control going because it's only going up everywhere else. You know, I'm not the most victimized person from the housing crisis, but you know, once you get past the unhoused people, and you know, the people at risk of eviction from predatory landlords and the neighborhoods being rapidly displaced by uh, developers and uh, kind of the entire political system being beholden to this cabal of uh, rentiers who don't actually produce any value, but just uh, enrich themselves uh, by providing this luxury housing that squeezes working families out of the cities. Um, you know, once you kind of get past all those problems and those victims, uh, there's me, and I think that's deeply unfair. And it's unfair to you. You guys are also victims. Below me, um, but still, still in there. Okay, so I'm gonna taste this again. Sorry, I got distracted by the music. I won't deduct from the soup's, uh, here score because of it. So the first thing that hits you about this soup is that it's it's more spicy than you'd think. It's those red, I didn't put a ton of red pepper flakes in there because I thought the sausage would be spicy. And I think I was right to do so. It's, it's very spicy. Texture-wise, it's really pleasant. You've got those nice soft potatoes, but they're not, you know, mush. They have a little bit of 
they have a little bit of resistance when you bite down. Uh, the meats are kind of chewy, and then the spinach obviously has that kind of gritty spinach texture. And the cream adds a lot of a lot of complexity to it. It's a little, it's just kind of hanging out, like laying down a fat baseline that these other kind of sharper flavors can play off of. I think this would be good without the cream if you're, you know, trying to cut the cut the calories or you have uh, kind of a, a dairy intolerance or whatever. But having it in there, I think it's just like it's like it's just a really solid foundation that the rest of the flavors build on and interact with and react to. And it's a, a a pretty good soup. I gotta say, this is one of my. I, I'm not gonna do any spoilers, but I think this is a really solid soup, especially for how inexpensive it is and how you know easy to prepare it is if uh, you are a little more patient with the potato. Mushrooms are nice too. That mushroom texture is really fun in there. All right, I'm gonna finish my bowl and I'll be back with uh, the next segment, which, <clears throat> as always, is soup news. And we're back with soup news. As you know, it's the end of the fiscal year. Q4 reports are coming out. And this has big implications in the world of soup because as I'm reading here in the Wall Street Journal, uh, Campbell's US soup sales dip. Campbell's has sold fewer of its namesake products in the United States in the last quarter to the point that it's wiping out gains from its growing snacks division. I didn't know Campbell's was making snacks, but you know, good for them for kind of branching out, although also bad for them for betraying soup. Luckily, Chief CEO Mark Klaus, he's gonna stabilize the business. It's gonna take some time, but they are gaining momentum. And uh, he says, uh, since the weather's turned, sales have risen sharply. So that's good to know that kind of the world's catching on to soup. I mean, Campbell's is investing 70 million in its soup business over the next three years. They're planning on introducing new products, including a bone broth. They're, they're like somewhat cynically trying to capitalize on the Baby Yoda trend as opposed to this show, which, you know, which is kind of working in tandem with it, going hand in hand uh, with like-minded soup and Yoda fans. Uh, he also wants to add more meat to his chicken noodle soups and lay the threat that poor performers would be dropped from Campbell's lineup of more than 300 soups. Uh, I don't know if any executives at the Campbell company, Mr. Klaus perhaps, listen to this show. I think they should. I mean, that kind of goes without saying if they're not, someone's really falling down the job. But I'm definitely willing to, you know, come into the test kitchen, chop it up, with the chefs, with Mr. Boyardee, and kind of work on developing some new fun recipes for millennials, you know? Uh, I'm definitely not opposed to that. I would require a, a decent retainer. Uh, I don't want to fly all the way to Philadelphia, where I assume they're based because of the commercials. But I'm definitely down to go. Uh, we can work up a canned silky ginger zucchini. Uh, we can work up a canned oyster stew. Although I don't know, uh, that one might be that one might go by the wayside with the other poor performers of the 300. Or if they just want to do an endorsement deal, I'm definitely down to put my face on a can. You call it Kyle's soup. Maybe it could be like the mystery Airhead, where you don't know what's in it. Uh, maybe we could we could even like gin up a rumor that it's human soup. I mean, I'm just saying we have options. Um, Mr. Klaus, feel free to reach out to me. It's kgreg7 at gmail.com. You know, maybe if this contract comes through, I can get a real email. Uh, so the soup troop can, you know, not have to rely on my personal email and it's not mixed in with the various spams and such that I get. Anyway, <laughs> that was soup news. Uh, best of luck to Campbell's. I hope that they recover and uh, that the soups lead along and fruitful, you know, life. 
Uh, our next segment is one-star review, new name coming soon. I couldn't find a one-star review for this recipe. Uh, this is kind of one of the challenges of an enthusiast press. It's a lot like the video game press, where they just kind of give positive reviews to basically everything. You know, what we need is a Gamergate for the recipe community, but no one has the courage to do that yet, and I'm certainly not going to stick my neck out there for that. Not really any good comments, uh, so we're going to do what we usually do, which is go to Reddit and see who's talking about this soup. Found. All right. This one has seven comments. Uh, the most controversial one. Uh, someone wrote the word recipe, and then... Uh, a user by the name of One Man Two Hands uh, linked them to the same recipe that I just used. So if you guys want to like do a little word of mouth marketing for the show, uh, maybe you can go find these Reddit comments and be like, "Hey, uh, I know you guys hate these online recipes where you got to read a full twenty minute story before you get to how you cook the food. You should listen to this podcast instead. You'll get to the recipe, you know, within twelve to fifteen minutes, golden. And then maybe you know we we create a new fan." More lymph. The lymph just kind of keeps spreading and flowing. So yeah, that was uh, that was One Star Reviews. New name coming soon. Uh, our favorite segment after the audio collage. Now we're going to move on to Word Salad. And I'm really excited about this one because I got an email from the aforementioned friend whose parents own a Korean restaurant. And since he sent me some content via this email, I'll give it a plug. Uh, it's Seoul in Lubbock, Texas. It's a very nice restaurant. They do kind of everything. Uh, I like to go there. Uh, and he was telling me, uh, hey Kyle, congratulations on season two of SD. I really enjoyed the episode. If we were both back in Lubbock at the same time, we'd be more than happy to have you swing by the restaurant. Again, Seoul. Uh, and introduce you to more Korean soups. And he has some really helpful notes on Korean soup, which I appreciate because like I said, I feel weird kind of venturing into these these soups from other countries that I don't really know much about and kind of trying to cook them without having a full grounding in how they're supposed to taste or the, the cultural significance, etc. cetera. Uh, and he said, some notes on Korean soups. Most soups ending in tang or gook uh, are lighter and soupier dishes meant to have rice dropped into the broth. And so if you'll remember, I didn't drop the rice into the broth on my galbi tang, but it looks like I would have been perfectly within my rights to do so. And after I read his email, I did it with some leftovers, and it does add a little bit of starchiness uh, to the soup that I thought was pretty nice. If the dish ends in jijigai uh, or jungol, and I, I apologize for my, you know, butchering the pronunciation. I'm trying. He said, it's more of a heartier and a solid stew that's meant to be spooned onto your rice. And also most tang and guk soups are served bland, so people can salt them to their preference. And I had noted um, in the recipe that there was no salt added during the cooking process and how I had to really uh, get that salt in, in there. And you say, this is why I'll see a bowl of salt or salt fermented baby shrimp at the table, Korean restaurants that serve these dishes. And then he sent me uh, some recommendations for places to eat soup in the LA area. I haven't checked them out yet, but I'm excited to dig in. Maybe I'll do a little field reporting on the soup scene in Korea. Uh, so thank you to Richard. Uh, we appreciate the email. Hopefully more listeners can learn from your example and send good emails to me. As always, the email is kgreg7 at gmail.com. Uh, and again, we're still working on getting still working on getting uh, a proper email for the show. On to our next segment, uh, rankings. Uh, this is where we rank the various soups we've had over the course of the show. And we put them in two categories, staple soups, uh, which are soups with few ingredients that I make regularly or could see myself making regularly. Current ranking there 
is Texas chili, number one with a bullet, silky ginger zucchini soup, number two with a bullet, and then beef stew is number four with a bullet. Then we have our exotic soups, um, which are soups that I don't make as often, or that are really time intensive, or require difficult to acquire ingredients, things of that nature. Uh, And the list there is borscht is number one with a bullet, galbi tang is number two with a bullet, egg drop soup is number three with a bullet, Vegan chili is number four with a bullet, and oyster stew is number five with a bullet. And so I'm gonna put the uh, sausage, potato, and spinach soup into the staple soups category because it's very simple to make uh, and only has a handful of ingredients, depending on how much you wanna freestyle on your own, like I did. Drum roll. I'm gonna revise our staple soups to be one with a bullet, Texas chili, two with a second bullet, Silky ginger zucchini soup. Three with a third bullet. I'm gonna go ahead and put the sausage, potato, and spinach soup there. And then four to round out the foursome is gonna be beef stew. So congratulations to the sausage, potato, and spinach soup for cracking the top three on the staple soups. And I'm looking forward to seeing what we cook up uh, next week. Um, And lastly, our final segment is corrections and omissions. I don't think I have any from the last episode. I actually haven't gone back to re-listen to it. Uh, but if you have a correction or an omission, you can go ahead and send it in to Word Salad. You know, from there, uh, we'll read it in the Word Salad. And then if it's kind of approved and found to be valid, then the episode after that, we can add it to the corrections and omissions. Um, and we have to add like a corrections and omissions to segment at the end of corrections and omissions because we'll be correcting or uh, non-omitting something from two shows previous. So it'll, it'll actually be... Um, you know, two corrections we have to make. You know, God forbid something happens in that segment and I mess it up and then we have to add a third corrections and omissions. But I am, you know, that dedicated to making sure that the show is as airtight as possible and unassailable. So yeah, if you have any um, thing you noticed that I messed up on or that I missed, uh, by all means, let me know. Thank you again for listening. And I have a new sign off that I want to try, you know, try out on the Soup Troop, see if you guys dig it. So here it is. Um, this has been Soup Dreams. I'm your host, Kyle Gregory, and slurp softly, but carry a big spoon. Did you like that sign-off? Did you like my sign-off? What was it? Slurp softly and carry a big spoon. It's like a, it's like the thing uh, Teddy Roosevelt said. What about soup? I'm <laughs> sorry.